grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. at kind of the, the bookends of the chapter. There's a lot in the chapter. We're going to try to cover it by looking at the beginning and the end here. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. When you get there, say amen. 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 I heard a hold up. Hear the reading of God's Word. Isaiah chapter 60, Beginning in verse 1, it reads, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Verse 18, violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor your brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Amen. Amen. I want to tag this text today, the light of the world, the light of the world. Let's pray before we turn to God's word together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here among us, that you meet us when we worship. You meet us as we are gathered together so that you can work in us and through us. And so we pray by the power of your spirit that you would change us. That you would help us to, as this text says, arise and shine because you have shown in us. May you shine brightly today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, I don't know if you all know, but we're, we're entering into the holiday season. First Sunday of November, some of you all have already skipped Thanksgiving. You're going to Christmas. That's all right. If that's you, that do you, because it's, it's the pandemic still. You can do whatever you want to do at this point. But, uh, but it got me thinking, as, I, as we were talking about when we're going to set up our tree and stuff for our family, it got me thinking about our family growing up and how everyone in our family had uh, their own job when we started decorating for Christmas. And I remember that me and my dad were assigned the job to wrap the tree with the lights, and this is before artificial trees nowadays, where you get the artificial tree and it just pops open, you plug it in, it's pre-lit, it's beautiful. This was a whole process. You, we, we had this bucket full of lights, and, and it was these long strands of lights that no matter how you wrapped them, somehow in the attic you get them down and they're in knots. So then you had to undo all the knots, and then you plug it in and you realize that somewhere in that long strand there's a missing light bulb, or one of the light bulbs is burnt out, and it's caused the whole strand to go, uh, go out. And so it was my job as the, you know, eight-year-old electrician in the family to go through the whole strand and find the missing light bulb, to find the one that wasn't working that was causing the whole thing to go out. And often, you know, it would be, uh, you know, just a few minutes, but sometimes it took upwards of an hour 
going one by one by one by one, trying to find the light bulb. Because if you couldn't find the one light bulb that was out, the whole strand would be out. It affected everything else. And that is what this text is talking about. There, there's, there's this light that, that goes out and, and it affects everything. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're feeling that. Like you, you come here the, this morning and, and you're, you're carrying the burden of, of worries about money or, or you know, the stress in your family. Or maybe you're feeling lonely and, and discouraged as the holiday season is upon you. I mean, for some people, the holiday season is not a time of joy and celebration, but often people are lamenting and, and grieving and, and they've lost people, right? Family members have, have gone or, or friends have moved away or different things in your life have shifted in, in major ways and it makes you feel like, you, like you're, you're grieving. And so sometimes the, the people's joy around you can, can even mock you a little bit. It makes you feel like the, the light has gone dim in my life because this thing has happened. And it's hard to see all the other things, right? It's hard to see that there might be other lights that are flashing, but this one makes everything else go dark. So how do you live in that? How do you live in, in this darkness? How do you live in a sense where, where it's, it's gone dim because something has caused it to go out? We're continuing our series today through the book of Isaiah, and we're in this last section in the book of Isaiah coming to a close, and Isaiah is speaking uh, of the future. He's giving this vision to God's people, and, and really his, his audience, his first audience is a group of people who are about to go into exile. At this point, they haven't even gone into exile, but, but he's been walking them through what that's going to look like, and, and he gives them comfort ahead of time. But, but now in the last section, he doesn't just comfort them, he gives them hope. He gives them hope that what is coming is greater than what they've lost. And so it's amazing to see that when he speaks of this future hope, he uses this language of light and darkness. More than any other prophet in the Old Testament, Isaiah uses this language of light and darkness, light and darkness, and not just any kind of darkness, but he says it's, it's a heavy darkness, it's a thick darkness, and it's a darkness that covers the earth, right? So it's, it's wide, but it's dense. It's the kind of darkness that, that if you try to live in it, you're not going to be knowing where you're going or what you should be doing. You're lost. And so we've got to ask, what caused the darkness and how do we live in it? How do we find hope in it? That's what I want to look at today in our time together. Let's first look at what it means to be lost in the darkness, lost in the darkness. We've got to go back to chapter 59. If you have your Bible, turn to chapter 59 and verse 9 kind of sets the scene for chapter 60. Look at what he says. He says, therefore, justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold, darkness. And for brightness, but we walk in gloom. Here it is, Isaiah is, is bringing back these two key terms that have been throughout the whole thread of the book, justice and righteousness. And if you've been walking through this uh, series with us, you've heard us talk about this over and over, that the two words in Hebrew are extremely important. That justice is this word mishpat. And mishpat means that everything is working the way it's designed to work. 
right? Everything is flourishing and thriving the way that God had created it to work. The, the systems and the structures of society are working the way God wants it to work. That's mishpat. But then this other word, righteousness, is zedekah. And zedekah has to do more with relationships that are, that are marked by love and care and mercy, and so he, he's not talking in Zedekah as much about societal issues, but more about personal or interpersonal issues. And when he looks out at the landscape of God's people, he says both are missing. There's no Mishpat, there's no Zedekah, and what's the result? Darkness. Darkness. And he says this is the environment that it's created. Uh, we see the environment in verse 10 in chapter 59. He says, we grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. In other words, he, he's looking out on the landscape of their people and he's saying, I'm looking for light, but I find darkness. I'm looking for brightness, but I find death and violence and destruction. And now we're groping around looking, where can we find our way out? We don't know how to get out. It's so thick, we're lost. We're lost. See, the evil of darkness can, can really be disorienting. It can really be disorienting, and, and you got to ask yourself, how, how am I supposed to respond? Have you ever been there where, where you come up against evil in this world, or you come up against evil in your own life, and, and you realize, I don't know how to address this. I don't even know where I'm going. This is what he's talking about, and, and of course, there's this great danger in only dealing with the darkness of what you might call public sin. Right? And, and this, this is, uh, is an issue that I think we as Strong Tower need to think about uh, and pray about because I think, you know, to be honest, we are, we are known as a church that, that is known for our activism. We're known as a church of, of justice and mercy and praise God, those things are wonderful. But there, there is a danger that Isaiah is speaking about of this, this what I want to call arrogant activism. And it's what, it, what it looks like is where you only see evil out there, but you never see evil in here. You, you, you only see all the problems out there, and, and you're blaming people for things that, that maybe we should look back inwards and say, maybe I've got an issue as well. Right? In other words, what, what I'm talking about is uh, sometimes you can see the solution to sin as only, listen, only fighting the system. You're only fighting the darkness that's, that's beyond us, that's, that's somewhere out there. And look, there's plenty. I mean, we could spend all day, you could spend your whole life calling out darkness whether it's the darkness in the, the White House or Wall Street or Planned Parenthood or pick whoever you want to call out, but we could do that all day. Here's my point. If you're only doing that, ask yourself, am I, am I passionate about evil in, in myself as much as I am about evil in the world? If that's the only thing. Now, the opposite's just as true, right? Where you, you only... You only uh, deal with the darkness of private sin. And this is what I would call a, a naive individualism. Where, you know, we're all, as Americans, kind of deeply formed in individualistic culture. 
where our society very much emphasizes the individual, you as an individual person and your rights, and, and, and those things can be good, but, but what happens is sometimes we, we only see evil within people. And so the, the solution to the darkness is discipleship. And so our, our, our answer is we got to get as many people saved and we got to get as many people to, to get into Bible studies and to pray and to do religious activities and things like that because if we can change hearts, then we can change the world. Have you heard things like that? Maybe said things like that? Again, if that's your only solution to the darkness, Isaiah is saying it's, it's not enough. That the darkness is, is not just in us, it's, it's around us. The darkness is an absence of, of God's design in the whole world and our relational wholeness and health. In other words, he, he's saying it, it has to be both, that it's in here and it's out there. And because all of us are affected by it, we tend to miss one of those more often than the other. We tend to be blind to, to one or the other, depending on kind of our own formation and, and who we are as, as people. But uh, some of us are unable to see our own sin. And so we're always looking to expose someone else's sin. We're always seeing the problems out there, but never in here. And so the answer is, you know, you, you should be more like me. You, you should care for the marginalized. You should care for the poor. You, you should do all the things I do. But do you see yourself? Do you see the darkness in you? Now, some of us are unable to see the darkness out there. And all the darkness is right here in our hearts. And so the answer is to blame the individual who didn't work hard enough or do enough or wasn't wise enough or didn't whatever but can you see how sin has affected not just hearts, but, but all of humanity in the, in the structures and systems and institutions that we as people with broken hearts have created? Isaiah says it's both. That this darkness is in us, it's around us, and it's dividing us. It's dividing us. And into this world of darkness, we need light to shine. And this is what he says in chapter 60, the shining in the darkness. Look at verse 60, or chapter 60, verse 1. He says, arise, shine. I love that. Arise in the midst of darkness, arise and shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. He's saying, in the midst of the darkness, I want you to rise up and shine. But did you notice what he said? He said, I don't want you to shine because there's light in you that the rest of the world doesn't have, that, that's emanating out of you because you're better than them. No, look at what he says. He says, the light has shone upon you, and now it's reflecting. So in other words, the, the light is not coming out of you. The light is reflecting off of you because God in his light has shone upon you. In other words, just like the moon that doesn't create its own light, it only reflects the glory of the sun. That's what God is saying. He's saying, I want you to reflect my light into the darkness, into the darkness. There's a little village called Rattenburg. It's the smallest town in Austria. 
And uh, it, its population was dwindling down each year. It was getting smaller and smaller. Uh, in the last two decades, it had gone down 20%. And by 2005, it, uh, it had gone down to 400 people living in this little town. That was it. And the reason is because this little town was nestled right up against a, a mountain, this large mountain that, because of the mountain, it was blocking the sun, and from November to February, there was no sun. Completely dark for these months. And so people got tired of living in the darkness, so they're like, we're, we're out of here. This is depressing. This is too much. We're, we're leaving, and so the town was dwindling to nothing. So the, the government there, the Austrian government, decided, we got to do something about this. we we got to fix this. And so they said, we're going to to uh, build these mirrors on the sunny side of the mountain that will grab the sun from that side and it will reflect it all the way into the dark side of the mountain. And these mirrors, there's 30 of them. They're, they're like you'd see in like a, a solar farm kind of thing. They're, they're controlled by a computer that follows the sun, so it keeps the light all the time on this area. But here's the thing. It didn't completely eradicate the darkness. It created these little hot spots in the town. These little hot spots of light. So that there, there's 30 little circles throughout the town where people from the town would come and gather and just hang out in the light rather than be in the darkness. People from all over the towns and the regions, they would come and they would spend time in the light because they wanted to be in the light. Do you hear it? What, what God is calling us to here, he's saying, I want you to shine in the midst of the darkness. He, he says it in this way in verse 3. He says, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. See, there's something about light in the midst of darkness that, that just attracts you. It pulls you in. It gathers you in. It's, it's something that, that, that says, I have to be there, right? And this was God's design for his people the whole time. That God's people would always be that light in the midst of the darkness. That God's people would always be this attraction from, from the, the nations that would come. And, and this is what Jesus says when he says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And what? Give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You catch that? Jesus is saying, I, I'm telling you, the church is this hot spot of light in the midst of the darkness. The darkness is still going to be all around you. The darkness is still going to be in you. But, but the darkness is going to have light because of you. Because of you shining in the world of darkness. And people are going to come because they see it. See, the church, listen, the church shines best in the darkness in the darkness. And church, listen, that, that means we are on the offense, not the defense. See, sometimes it's easy to get discouraged or, or depleted and, and tired, and I don't know what to do. I'm confused. The world seems to be falling apart, and, and my, my world is full of pain and difficulty, and I don't know what to do. The darkness seems to be winning, and we can retreat in fear because of the darkness. But Jesus, listen to how he describes his church. He says this, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Did you catch it? He said the gates of hell. That, that means they're on the defense. 
That, that means they're, they're the ones being attacked. The darkness is the one being attacked by the light. It's not a description of the church is on the defense waiting for darkness to overcome us, but, but we are moving into the darkness on the offense. The church is the light of the world. The church is pushing back the darkness. The church is shining for all to see a Savior. And it's the contrast that makes us shine. It's the difference, right? In other words, the, the darker the world, the, the brighter the church should be. There, there should be a clear contrast between us and the world. This is why we have nothing to fear. The church for centuries has shined in the midst of the worst darkness. We, we, we shined in, in the midst of, of uh, the, the, the early Roman Empire. It shined in the darkness of the Middle Ages. It shined in American slavery. It shined in the Nazi regime. It shined in communist China. It shined in the Jim Crow South. I mean, it, it has shined every single place that darkness has been. The church has been shining. And the question is, are we different than the darkness so that we shine. Are we different? How, how do you shine as light? Well, Isaiah says it's, it's the justice and righteousness. Jesus uses the same idea. He says it's your good works that make you shine. And remember, it's, it's to give glory to Him. You're, you're reflecting you're, you're reflecting that light. And so uh, where the world is consumed with greed, we shine with generosity. Where the world ignores the marginalized, we empower the least of these. Where the world is divided over politics, we are citizens of another kingdom. Where the world can't forgive, we lead with grace and mercy. This is how you shine in your workplace, your family, your neighborhood, whatever it may be. It's, it's what makes us different. Are we different? Is there, is there something that, that the nations say, look, look at that. that? That's something we've never seen in the darkness. Are, are you shining? Are you pushing back? Are you pushing back? See, ultimately our hope is not in our light, but in a greater light to come. This is where Isaiah goes at the end of the chapter. There's ending the darkness. Look at verse 18. I love this. He says, violence shall no more be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders, you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The Isaiah steps back and he paints this picture of not, not just God's people while they're here pushing back darkness, arising and shining. He says, let's look even further into the future. And what he sees as he looks into eternity is he sees a new heavens, a new earth. He sees a new world where there's no violence, no devastation, no destruction, just pure shalom. Just pure uh, wholeness and thriving. And what's amazing is he sees something even more stunning in verse 19. He says, The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord, the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. It's amazing. What he's saying in the new creation is where we used to have this rhythm of darkness and light and darkness and light where there's change and fluctuation. He said that won't happen anymore. There won't be a rhythm of darkness and light. It will only be light 
for all eternity. And the light that we have now that's coming from the sun will be overshadowed by a greater light of God himself shining as our sun. Incredible. But when? He says, when is this going to happen? We're told in verse 22, he says, this is all he tells us, in its time, I will hasten it. That sounds just like God. I'm going to do it quick on my time. Just like God. But this is what he's saying. He's saying, we don't know when. I'm not going to tell you when, but, but you're going to have to wait for it. But when it comes, it's going to come quickly, and I'm going to do it in my time, in my way, and it's going to be in the fullness of my promise. And we look across the biblical landscape, and we see that God has already begun. We see as we read in Galatians chapter 4, Paul says, when the fullness of time had come, what? God sent forth his Son. The fullness of time. In other words, he's saying, for centuries we've been waiting and waiting for God to shine this light, that he would send his Son, and the time is now. The time has come. Jesus came as the light. Jesus said about himself, I am the light of the world right? He said about us, you are the light, but, but there's a greater light. So you're the light, but, but I'm the greater light of the world. And when I come, it's going to eradicate the darkness. And so he comes pushing back the darkness as he healed the sick. He was pushing back the darkness as he spoke truth to power. He was pushing back the darkness as he cared for the forgotten. He was pushing back the darkness as he stood on trial. He was pushing back the darkness as he shouldered the cross. He was pushing back darkness as his hands were pierced and his body shamed. He was pushing back darkness as he breathed his last and the skies became dark. The world was covered in darkness. And as Jesus defeated the darkness, he was doing it for us. He was shining for us so that he could shine through us. He was defeating the darkness until that ultimate day where darkness would be ended. The day with no darkness. It's coming. It's coming. The the worst submarine disaster in the U.S. Navy history happened in 1963. It was this ship that they had created, this submarine called the Thresher. And the Thresher uh, was designed with this incredible steel frame that, that was thick, inches thick of steel that was meant to go deep into the ocean and, and be able to do what it needed to do at the depths of the ocean. But one of the days that they were testing this, this incredible machine, the engine actually died. And the engine died, and so they started to sink. And so as they were sinking, the the pressure was getting greater and greater as they went closer and closer to the bottom of the ocean, and they got to depths that it wasn't designed for. And so because it got so deep and the pressure was so great, it crushed the submarine. And the 129 people who lived inside died. And it it was this tragic event. They had no idea what happened with the engine, so they wanted to go to the bottom and find out and do some research. So they had this little tiny contraption, much smaller, much, uh, it was kind of shaped like a circle and it was just raw steel, but it could get to the bottom of the ocean and it was designed for that depth. But when it got to the bottom and it began to see what was happening with the submarine, it was shocked. The people who were, who were looking, they were shocked because, not, not because of the submarine, because they, they expected that. It looked like, you know, someone had taken an egg and just smashed it. It was completely Uh, demolished. But what was shocking was when they got to the bottom of the ocean, a mile and a half down, they saw fish. And they're 
They had never seen fish at the bottom of the ocean this far. And they're looking at the fish swimming by, and they're looking at the submarine, this massive machinery that, that was the greatest that they had ever designed, just smushed like it was nothing. And here's a fish just swimming along, living its life. With not, you know, no steel armor around it, no, no, no thick armory that, that could keep it up. It was just a little fish. And they wondered how in the world could the fish survive under that pressure in that kind of darkness? They had a secret. The fish had greater pressure on the inside than the pressure on the outside. See, what they found was was there was enough pressure on the inside pushing out that no matter how great the pressure was on the outside, it didn't crush the fish. See, I want you to hear this from Isaiah, that the light of Jesus on the inside is greater than the darkness of sin on the outside. That's what he's saying. In other words, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It may feel like the darkness is winning. It may feel like the world is caving in on you. It may feel like your circumstances are unbearable. It may feel like your sin is unbeatable. But I'm here to tell you that he's greater. And the light is greater than the darkness. The darkness has no choice but to run. The darkness has no option but to bow down. The light of Jesus shines greater because he has defeated the darkness. He's defeated it. And John would later see the same vision that Isaiah had here, much like what Isaiah wrote. He wrote it in Revelation 21. It says, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night anymore. That's the vision. Our lamp will be the lamp of God. The lamb of God himself who was slain for the world. There will be no more darkness, no more corruption, no more crying, no more division, no more death, no more stumbling, no more worrying, no more darkness, only the light of Jesus shining forever. Forever. Do you have that light? That's what he's he's inviting us into as he's saying, arise and shine because the light has shone on you. Jesus is saying, "I, I want to shine on you so that you can be the light, so that you can reflect to the world in the darkness. But but first, I have to shine on you. Right. You aren't going to have the light in you without me. You're, You're not going to be able to push back the darkness in your life or in this world without me. You need the light of the world. We need the light of the world. And we as the church, when Jesus shines on us, we begin to shine. And we begin to push back the darkness as we wait for that day, the day when darkness will be ended forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who shines brightly. You come as the light of the world. You come as the one who, even though uh, you were the light, we, we chose to turn away. We chose to rebel. We chose to put you on a cross. 
And it seemed as if darkness was winning. It seemed as if the, the purposes and the promises of God had failed. But Lord, we know the end of the story. And we've seen the, the, the vision that you've given to Isaiah and to John to say that the darkness may be for a moment, but your light will be forever. And so we pray that you would give us the courage to shine. Give us uh, the character that you develop in us to be different. To be a, a people who others would look at and say, there, there must be a real God. There must be a real Savior who can change lives as we shine. We pray in Jesus' name.